Hey, thank you so much for joining us online at Venue Church for another inspirational message from Pastor Corey Cope. If you were impacted by this message in any way, we would love it if you would share it with your friends online. Yeah, real boats rock. I think you made the right decision to come to church, Airdrie. What God wants to do in your life and in your life through this series, we're starting uh, at the movies. That was your cue. We're starting at the movies. This week, finding, you know, here's the thing, finding God in culture. Some of y'all, you, you, you're a bit handicapped because you grew up in church your whole life and you think that, that uh, God has to do church your way. Like you get so used to like, here's how I connect with God. Well, there's a lot of people that connect with God in different ways that you connect with God. But God is to be found everywhere. Just give me a second. Just God is to be found everywhere. I, I, I go to the mountains and I see God's handiwork. I, I watch God at work in the lives of my children when they go to school. I, I see God. See, but, but there's this thing where your eyes are blind and they have to, when you have the revelation, then you begin to see God everywhere. And this series, I think, is going to be a powerful series for you as we um, study like movies from popular culture and their themes. Can I get the lights up just a little bit here? I can't see any faces, which means y'all are gorgeous today. Turn to your neighbor and say, man, you look good. Shoot, I'm glad the lights are on. <laughs> we have four themes that are coming up. I'm not going to give all of them, but, but next week we're going to do a, a, a sermon about remembering because Remembrance Day is coming on, I think, Monday, right? And so we're going to do this series about Hacksaw Ridge. Now, we're not going to show all the, you know, all of that stuff, and, and we're not doing that in the kids just to... Come on, you didn't think that we would do that. I'm a little wild, but I got handlers and children's directors and a wife and kids who got more common sense than I got. We're going to talk about the themes of sacrifice, but today I'm going to preach a sermon in just a few minutes here um, after we show you some video clips from Toy Story 4. Who's seen Toy Story 4? If you got kids, men, it's okay. Put your hands in the air. You're a good dad if you watch that movie with your kids. I'm a good dad. And also, I like the movie just for myself, maturity-wise. We're going to be talking about uh, a sermon I've entitled, I Am Trash. I am trash. Don't you ever let the devil tell you that you are trash. What you're made from is not what you're made for. Let's roll the clips. Oh my goodness, I love it. I love it. Oh, <laughs> I'm Bonnie's trash. You know, I've... <laughs> I feel like that's you sometimes, if I could just take some liberties. I just feel like sometimes you're so busy jumping into the garbage can and God is busy throwing you back out. Like, you're not trash anymore. Just come on. Give me a little bit. You can keep the lights down a little bit out there. Is this... Okay, are we good? Um, oh my goodness. I am trash from Toy Story 4. What you're made from is not what you're made for. Who here knows what trash talking is? A little bit of trash talking. Do we know? Can I get the lights up a little bit? I feel like we're kind of this and then this way. I want to see them, just not too much, because some of them. <laughs> Maybe you all don't know, but you're Canadians. And so when I'm preaching to you, sometimes your faces are just like, you know, Canadian faces. Angry, happy, sad. <laughs> so I just find a few happy faces and I preach to you. The rest of you all, you're just along for the ride. So, All right. I am trash. Anybody trash talk when they play sports? Yeah. A little bit? Is it okay to trash talk a little bit? We play soccer, um, and I don't, I'm not good, so I have to make up for it by psychologically getting into people's heads. 
And so um, I'm kind of competitive, but not competitive in the like he's really good competitive and he's going to win competitive. No, because I'm a pastor and I can't technically care if we win or lose, particularly when it's just like random drop in soccer. But what I do, I'm just psychologically giving you a, a backstage pass to my brain. What I do only with people. I feel like I'm having to defend myself here, and I don't feel like that's fair because I feel like you're judging me, but I'm not super sure yet. But what I do is that we play, we play soccer with a bunch of Afghans in town, and we've known some of them forever. And they're all like, like all the Afghans that come are related to each other somehow. So they're like cousins and brothers and uncles, and like they all got this thing going on. And they work really well with Canadians because they're sarcastic. Sarcastic. Anybody got the gift of sarcasm? A little bit. Not to be confused with the gift that your dad had of embarrassing you in public and just saying, like, hi, you're overweight and stuff like that. That's not super nice. That's not sarcasm the way I'm talking about. No, sarcasm uh, is just that thing that, like, a little bit of it's kind of a fun thing, as long as it's all in good humor and stuff. And when we're playing soccer, there's, like, maybe a lot of that called trash talking. I'm basically feeling like I need to defend myself morally to you right now, so I'm just kind of giving you the whole thing sarcasm, a little bit of sarcasm is not bad. Like I was raised, my, my dad's family is super sarcastic. Venue Church has a gift. Can I, amen? <laughs> sarcasm, a little bit keeps you honest, right? It's just like when, when every, you know, you're Canadians and I get it. I'm, I feel your pain. I, when one person in a room is telling a story about something that definitely did not happen the way they remember it. And one person, one sarcastic person's like, oh, please. <laughs> a little bit kind of keeps you honest. That's good. I heard somebody say one time, uh, on my dad's demon board, I mean deacon's board, that I shouldn't, there's a little church humor there for you, that I shouldn't become a pastor because I was, quote, too sarcastic. That guy's name was Jerry. I'm like, whatever, Jerry, sarcastic. You're sarcastic. I'm giving you all my pain, everybody. Just love me. So we play soccer with these guys. My mom was in on that meeting, too. That was a whole other story. I've never seen an Irish woman who was just about ready to commit murder during a deacon's meeting or an elder's meeting in church before. But anyways, it was pretty funny. Now you guys are starting to feel a little bit of where. So we play soccer. And when, when you don't get the ball when you need the ball, when you're playing soccer and, and somebody takes kind of a, a shot when they took it from a bad angle and you're standing in front of goal and all they needed to do was like, you know, slip it in and you, you'd have a goal, right? Whenever there's something like this going on, they're, they're, but we only do this with people who like it, so there's a little bit of trash talking going on. And, and when you get the Afghans on uh, teams opposing each other, there's a whole lot of talking trash that goes on, right? And it's just like, hey, somebody blows a shot over the net and it's just like, hey, what's up? You know, you run by him, give him a little smack on the shoulder and be like, hey, what's up? Nice shot. <laughs> they grin. Everybody laughs. The next time you miss something, it's like, hey, what? And that was a great pass. We, the sarcasm thing, like, it wasn't a great pass, but I said it was a great pass to get into their heads so the next time they're thinking, I'm not going to pass the ball well. Advantage, Corey, with no skill. Trash talking. There's this thing that um, I believe in God and I believe in the devil because I watched the news, I don't actually watch all that much news because it's depressing because all I see is like, you know, there's good and bad happening in the world. And, and I think that um, wise people, it says the fool says in his heart, there is no God. So I don't care how smart you are, but that's what the scriptures say. The fool says in heart, there is, there is no God. But I think that you, you would have to look around and be like, there are, there's a force and a personality for good. And then there's also one for bad that wants to hurt you and destroy your life and make you miserable. And so... 
So what this side, the dark side of the force, what the devil wants to do is talk trash to you constantly. So you have this voice in your head that you might have heard when, you know, maybe you were a child in your home and your mom said, you're so bad at homework. You're never, you're not smart. So don't ever go into, you know, don't go to university. You're not smart enough. Or your dad's like, you know, can I, I just feel like I need to say it. Like you're overweight. You're just never going to be in shape. Uh, Somebody says something about you and makes a judgment about you. And, and it's out, it's out here. But what we do over time is that we start believing those voices and then the devil just puts them on repeat. Like you're never going to make a good husband. Look at what you've done. You're never going to be able, you're never going to have a career. You just lost every job you've ever had. You're never going to have money. Our family's not good with money. You're not good with money. Look at the mistakes you've made and you invest in the wrong thing and you're never going to be financially debt free. You're never, and the devil just puts this thing on repeat in your head and he puts it on repeat and he puts it on repeat and what he's trying to get you to do he's he's trying to get you to internalize the worth that he's telling you that you don't have like basically you're trash I was a strong-willed kid yeah I had the feeling like nobody was going to be able to live with me just because I was you know complicated (laughs) My family loves me, even my wife over there who dressed like Forky today. I cannot believe she fell for that and dressed like Forky. I mean, happiest day of my life. I love it. We got a Black Panther somewhere. We've got a Captain Marvel somewhere. I love it. It's so good. Your kids are making Forkies in Sunday school right now. (laughs) Super spiritual, but super fun. Can we have fun in church? Is that okay? Like, look, uh, my best friend growing up, his dad, his name was Mr. Stang, and I love Mr. Stang, but Mr. Stang was like one of those legalistic Christians that thought that having fun was definitely not a thing that you're going to do in heaven, so let's not have that here. So, so I'm like, what? He thought that uh, grumpiness was the same thing as holiness. <laughs> I guess, because he wasn't having any fun, and he thought he was holy. And I asked Jason one time, I'm like, what do you mean you're not allowed to watch movies? He's like, yeah, we're not allowed to watch movies. I'm like, any movies? Because this is just the way that I would go, and then I would get a you know, talk about my Christian character. I'd be like, any movies? That doesn't make any sense. What about like good movies? Well, he would say that there maybe are no good movies. I'm like, what about cartoons? Are we not allowed to watch cartoons? He's like, well, he would say that it's not profitable. And I'm like, well, nobody's going to pay you for watching cartoons. Is that what we're talking about here? Profitable, like, I'm just going to say it. Y'all can get over it. Like going to the bathroom. Nobody pays me to do that, but Profitable, how profitable? You know what I mean? <laughs> Come on now. Anybody know any weird Christians? Weird is weird, guys, Christian or not. We got all these churchy people, and I'm just like, uh, he would definitely not like this at the movies thing, but here's, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Jesus is to be found everywhere. In the pain, in the happiness, in the gladness, in the joy, in the, in the cry of a little child, in the bird flying. I mean, God is to be found everywhere, and God will put your life into perspective. But this is what I want to tell you today, that what you're made from is not what you're made for. And the devil will constantly tell you, this is where you come from. Your yesterday, he's going to tell you, is going to be your today. And your today is going to be your tomorrow, and it's never going to change. And this is how he just keeps playing this. What you're made from is what you're made for. You are made from trash. You'll always be trash. But this is what God would say to you, I think. 
is that God can make you beautiful no matter where you came from, no matter who you thought that, no matter what you've done, no matter what was done to you, God can clean you up. This is what he does. This is what he does. Are you ready? This is the picture I had of my spirit this week. I was preparing this sermon. It's like, have you ever seen a mosaic made from broken tiles? Okay, the glory of that goes to the creator, not to the broken tiles. And so I might be broken, but it's the broken places that the love of Christ shines through. When he's like, even if he can do it for Pastor Corey, he can do it for you. And I'm not kidding. If he can do it for me, then he can do it for you. But the devil gets in there and he starts like talking trash. And then what I do is I start internalizing trash. And listen, the, the worst words that have ever been spoken about you are the words that you spoke about you. When it's out here, like you can think anything about me that you want to, but the minute that I rehearse those things to myself, they take on a life of it. It's like reverse faith. And it starts bringing me down into this place that God never created me to be in. And so I forget that I'm a son of God. You forget that you're a daughter of God. I start listening to these voices and then I say it about myself. And then I don't challenge you when you say, you're always going to... But God would say, no, no, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. And if that same spirit raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he will give life to your mortal bodies through the same spirit who dwells in you. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Like bring the pain devil because I'm a son of the living God. I'm a daughter of the living God. I can do this thing. I can do anything that God wants me to do. I, I feel like we have to get over this place where we just listen and just immediately absorb without filtering it with the word of God. It will filter how you feel about you. It will then filter how you treat other people. Can I just teach? Can I just put my teaching hat? I'm, I preach more than I teach, but can I just teach you a little something? Do you know what the difference between guilt and shame is? The difference between guilt and condemnation? Guilt is God's gift to you. Like when you do something really stupid, guilt is the Holy Spirit like, dude, you did something really stupid. Like we're in this society now that's like, nothing you have ever done is wrong. What? Who's that working for? No, no, no. If, if you seriously, if you seriously don't appreciate guilt being a gift from the Holy Spirit, sin will get between you and your spouse and sin will get between you and your teenager and between you and your boss and it will, it will stay there until it's dealt with. So I'll show you how this works. The only thing that gives us enough energy to deal with sin is guilt. Now, some of you have been so warped with, with sin that you don't hardly feel guilty anymore, but you need to ask the Holy Spirit, make me feel guilty when I sin. Like it is a gift from God. And then it piles on top of this and piles on top of this. And then this one piles on top of that one. And we never get fully around to confessing that we were actually wrong. And it stays there between us. And then we wonder why there's no connection. And we wonder why we don't feel loved by our spouse. Well, there's no place for love to land because that's not love when you let something build up between you. Yeah, well, you don't know what he's like. I know what you're like. All you can do is work on you. You can't fix them. You can't do it. But I'll tell you what, if you won't work on you, I'll bet you that maybe the Holy Spirit can't work on them either. Maybe your seed to closeness is you working on you. How is God going to get into their hard heart if you don't forgive them? And if you don't confess your sins first? Well, I'm going to wait. Well, then you wait. Because even the Holy Spirit can't forgive you unless you forgive. And God's commands are commands to you, not you to command them. That's good preaching. Write that down. You're going to get married in the next couple of years? Write that down. That's good. That might save you. 
See, guilt is God's gift. It gives you the energy to say that you're wrong. And this is the time frame that guilt needs to stay in your life. Are you ready? Guilt is there to accomplish three things, three steps. It will remain unless you get through all three. You ready? It says, the Bible says, confess your sins to God for forgiveness. Number one. Confess your sin to somebody. It's just me and Jesus. Jesus is like, it's not just you and Jesus. Confess your sins to one another so that, the scripture says, you may be healed. You can be forgiven and not be healed. You can be forgiven and still have that disease of sin. You can be forgiven and still feel sorry for yourself. You can be forgiven and still have those words that you never took out of the way. No, no, no. Forgiveness up. Healing sideways. The third thing you need to do, and this is the thing that we've missed sometimes because we're Canadians and we think that we're better than we are, is repentance. What does repentance mean, Pastor? Repentance means like I'm going in this direction. I hit a wall with my sin. I confess for forgiveness. I confess for healing. And I turn around and make a plan to go this way. And I start walking. Stand over here if you're never going to change anything. It's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Canadians, like, I get it. I just meant like, I spent some time with my friends at Substance Church this week. Oh my goodness, blew my mind. In Minneapolis, they're like, we love Canada. We go there, we get, we get apologized to about everything. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's my fault. I hit you with my car, that's my bad. It's like, Canadians are like, Canadians are like, you hit me with your car, it's my bad. I shouldn't have been on the sidewalk, you're right. I deserve it. <laughs> I deserve it. We get into this loop in our relationships though, where we apologize for everything, but we never actually come up with a plan to change anything with accountability to change anything. That's where we get stuck. So, so guilt is for this period of time only. I confess, I confess, and I make a plan, and I move. I just start moving. Well, I'm never going to get there. So that's the devil, remember? Like, you're never going to get there. You're never going to. All God is like, just make a step. He's like, let me worry about the tomorrow. But to make a step today. And what we do, the devil's like, well, you're never going to make it, so don't even bother. Listen to the right words. Start. Just take a step. God's grace is here for this. There's no grace for this. So this will be a very hard life. This, you'll find it'll start getting easier and start getting easier. And then you'll start walking. Then you'll start. And then as soon as you sin, you'll start like confess, confess, and start walking. Confess, confess, start walking. I'm a son of God. I'm a, you got to change your self-talk. You got to preach yourself into victory sometimes. You got to preach like, no, this is not, this is not me. I'm not 10 minute ago me. No, this is a different me, devil. No, I'm not that person anymore. The regenerative work of Christ is in me now. I'm not that person. Who are you talking to? Oh, no, that's old. That's 10 minutes ago me. That's not like right now me. This me looks like God. This me, when, when God looks at this me, he sees Jesus. I have all that I need. So guilt, but what happens is, and then guilt is gone. If you have done these things, confess, confess, and turn around, you walk the other way, and you still feel bad, this, listen, it feels the same at the beginning. It's called shame and condemnation. That's what the devil wants to do. Because guilt is only there to get you to repent. That's it. Then it's gone. And if you still, still feel bogged down, like you need to like suffer for it, look, there's consequences, and I get it. You need to pay for the broken window. I get it. But if you still feel bad, like unaccepted from heaven, that's called shame and condemnation. And some of you grew up with that in your religion, in church. Can I preach to church people, everybody? 
it became this like rule following thing that we forgot that no, 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 it's Jesus who saves you, not following rules. It's Jesus who saves you, not believing in Jesus. Like, congratulations, you believe in Jesus. No, it's Jesus who actually saves you. It's the Holy Spirit who actually allows you and gives you the power to start walking in the right direction. Did did y'all like the last series about the Holy Spirit? No, no, let him do the heavy lifting. It's not about you. But this is it. As soon as this happens, then you need to recognize, I still feel bad. Why do I still feel bad? Oh, this is not the Holy Spirit. This is the devil talking into my head. Why don't you talk a little trash back? Sorry, who are you talking to right now? Me? No, I'm good, actually. I'm clean. Yeah, well, you don't like... You're in my head now. You're in my heart now. This belongs to Jesus. You have no legal right to be here. Right? Yeah, but the devil's been squatting in your house for so long. Can I just be honest? It's like your fat, lazy cousin that just sits on your couch and eats chips and watches Netflix, and you come back, and all of a sudden he's back in your house again. What are you doing here, man? Joey. Get out of my house, man. Go live at your house. Go eat your mama's chips. Go eat my chips. You got to, like, it's a thing. Like, legally, you can remove the right, but now you got to make a habit to get that out because you've actually given yourself to that habit. You've agreed with it for so long, you're going to have to start disagreeing with how you naturally want to handle it. Like, disagree with yourself and be like, I know I feel like this, but self, you are wrong self. Why are you feeling down like this? Why are you feeling hopeless? David said, why so downcast on my soul? Soul? (laughs) Why so downcast? Put your hope in God. I will yet be saved from this thing. Put your hope in God. Shame. Condemnation. But... But part of the issue is, is, do you remember, if you grew up in Sunday school, maybe you heard the story, there was a crippled man by the pool of Bethesda, and Jesus walks up to him, he's been crippled for like a long, long time, years and years and years, he's been crippled here, and the angel of God would, it says, would stir the water, and whoever got into the waters first at the pool of Bethesda would be healed of whatever ailment that they had. So this is what happened, this, this, um, this crippled man, he's been sitting here for so long, and Jesus... The one who, I'm preaching to somebody right now. The one who made the angel. Who made the water. Who told the angel to stir the water. Get in the water. Who healed the person in the water. Jesus comes and stands beside the crippled man. And he's like, hey, what's up? That's how he talks. That's how Jesus talks to me. Jesus is very sarcastic to me, everybody, by the way. (laughs) It's my love language, so I get it. I, I spend half of my prayer times just like laughing at how stupid I am sometimes. I don't internalize. I'm like, oh, that was old me. But old me was really dumb. Oh, my goodness. Some of the stuff I've done. Oh, some of the stuff I've tried. It made sense at the time, but whatever. And Jesus, he, he sidles up beside this crippled man. And he's like, hey, what's up? And the crippled man is so busy watching. So busy watching where the last person got healed. You put your expectation on where somebody got an answer as opposed to the person who gave that somebody the answer. And Jesus comes alongside you in your normal day-to-day life. And Jesus comes alongside and just sidles up to you and says, hey, what's up? And Jesus says this. He can see him all like, hey, cripple guy. Hey. Eyes up here, buddy. Cripple guy. Hey, and then he says something that I think he's going to say to somebody here. Do you want, he says, to be made well? Well, who wouldn't want to get out of debt? Who wouldn't want their marriage healed? Who wouldn't want that hurt that was done to them in their childhood to be healed? Well, he still says that. In your human condition, can I suggest something to you? 
Sometimes better the devil you know than the Jesus you don't. Come on. Because crippled people can just sit there all day. Crippled people can just feel sorry for themselves all day. If your legs work, you got to go to work. Come on. If you can't play the victim card anymore because of what was done to you, you got to get up and go to work. You got to get up and help somebody else find their purpose. Instead of sitting there whining about you not finding your purpose. If the same spirit of God lives in you, he will quicken your mortal bodies through the same spirit who dwells in you. Right, right, right. So do you want to be made well? That's the question I would ask. Do, are you, do you kind of like being trash? Right? Because it's all warm and it's all warm and fuzzy and a little squishy. Right? It's just what you know. But I'll tell you, God one day is going to come looking for fruit, and there's only grace for you to produce fruit. But you can't produce fruit as long as you're sitting there in the garbage can telling everybody that you're trash because you're just repeating what the devil's telling you. Then you want them to feel sorry for you, and some of them have worse stories than you've ever had, and they're doing okay. And they don't see themselves as victims. They don't see themselves as trash. They've reversed the thinking. They reversed what was being said. They started feeding themselves with the word of God and started listening to God. Do you want to be made well? Hmm. If you want to be made well, I mean, if you want it, want it. There is nothing in hell that can stop it from happening. No power above, no power in the earth below. Let, let me preach a little scripture while I slowly speak so my notes can load. Second Corinthians 5, it's a trick that preachers have. Just repeat the last thing that you said slowly and walk back to your notes if you... Mind goes blank. <laughs> Second Corinthians 5. Now, Paul is talking to a messed up church in Corinth. Okay, Corinth is, read up on its history at the time. They had some problems. You thought you had problems, Airdrie? Corinth has some problems. Paul says to this church, so he says, we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. Remember that human point of view? Like, do you want to be made well? well maybe not. He said, at one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently, it says, we know him now. This means, you ready? That anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Has become, it is done already. It is, you are forgiven already. You might not be walking in forgiveness. It might not be, be attached to your account yet. Can I give you a little teaching about forgiveness? You forgive whenever anybody does anything to you, whether they ask for your forgiveness or not. Don't wait for it. Are you kidding? Some people never ask you to forgive them. Why would you wait? No. Jesus hung on a cross and forgave you before you ever asked for forgiveness. It is banked in heaven. It's waiting to come to you. But it can't come to you unless you ask for forgiveness, unless you admit a lot of stuff, right? So this is what I do. I remove all the barriers between me and people just by forgiving them. I'm like, oh, I forgive, I forgive, I forgive. It's not going to land on me. I'm not going to become bitter and weird and twisted. No, I'm not going to be one of those Christians that are like gets old and cranky because the world is so sinful. I'm going to believe in Jesus. I'm going to see the work of God and what he's doing in the world. I'm going to be positive. I'm going to be uplifting. It says, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. Well, you're reconciling them from a different team now to this team. But we talk different over here. 
we believe different over here. We see your past and we don't think, we don't think like, oh, that's going to that's gonna negate your future. You better lower your expectations. No, I see your past and I'm like, God can redeem anybody. If he can get to the Apostle Paul, he can get to you. Oh, there's nothing he can't do in your life. It says, for God was in him in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. So why are you doing it? That takes a lot of nerve. Well, I feel bad about this thing and I'm going to like treat myself really badly right now. That's what we say to ourselves. To help out God. God's like, help me out how? What? To keep bringing up the old sins that you've committed? So you think that makes God feel good? It doesn't make God, as far as the east is from the west, he's removed. And why are you still thinking about it? Get over it. Move on. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God through Christ. You know that God didn't save you because you were beautiful. He saved you to make you beautiful. And the, the, sometimes when we come to God, we're like, hey God, heal me so that it's like I never got shattered in the first place. And God's like, no, no, no. The shattering can actually bring glory to my name. Listen, because there's grace in the shattering. Why don't you let the master builder make a mosaic out of the broken pieces? Because how beautiful is that? You weren't made in a factory. You weren't made on a factory floor. God saw your life. He saw the dates from the time you were born till right now. He has lived every day beside you. You haven't been able to see him yet. But all the pieces he's arranging to make a mosaic out of your life so that he can get the glory for what can be done with a broken person. What beauty can be made from a broken life. This makes us all about God. But you have to start appreciating the brokenness that God brings and start hating the trash talk that the devil brings. My, um, my mom was a school teacher and, um, and my dad had four brothers and we grew up in just a little town of 500 people called Riley, Alberta. That is a place where stuff happens. <laughs> Nothing has happened there. And my mom was walking past that my mom was teaching school and my, my dad's youngest brother, Brent, there was quite a, an age gap there. And, and Brent was maybe in junior high and Brent was out on the, on the playground and he was, he was surrounded by five or six older boys. Now, now, this is a different day than today, okay? The boys wanted to like physically beat him up. It was a different day. I mean, back when I was a kid, you didn't go into the high school and mouth off. You get crammed in a lot. You get to spend the rest of the day in a locker. I don't like spending a day in a locker. It was different. I'm not saying it was great. I'm saying it was different. Nobody, all y'all's millennials here, you think this is horrible? No, it's just the way that it was. And so my uncle Brent is there and he's surrounded by all these guys, but mom said all these guys were trying to get at him. But she's like, Brent's attitude was very unusual for his position right there. The skinny junior high kid with all these five like tougher farm kids around and bigger kids and he's in there and this is Brent and this is I, oh, I'm feeling this needs to be you this week Brent's like do you know who my brothers are? do you I've got four brothers who will mess you up 
Do you know who Richard Cope is? Everybody in town know who Richard Cope is because there's 500 people in town. My, he lives right over there. He's going to come down here and mess you up. He's not afraid of you. And I feel like sometimes you forget which team that you're on. And you're sitting there and the devil's trying to intimidate you at work and the devil's trying to intimidate you and your family and get you all addicted and stuck. And these guys, they were just like trying to get at him, but there was this thing that he was saying that was absolutely true. Like, you forget who I'm with. You can't touch me. Go on, touch me. Here, punch me. You need to, I need to get closer. It's no problem. There's this thing where you start talking back to the thing that's been talking to you in the grace of God. Now, you don't go and pick a fight with the devil, but you get what I'm saying here. Tell him who you're with. No, no, no. Jesus says this about me. Who are you? No, Jesus thinks this about me. Who are you? I don't have to accept this. I don't have to put up with this anymore. Who are you? And I feel like sometimes we're we're on this team with God and we got Jesus as the captain of the team, the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is like, tell you what, why don't you pass the ball over here so that they can pass it to me so that I can score. But what we do is we're like, I got it. I'm going to shoot. And Jesus is standing in front of the goal like, hey, all I do is win, win, win. Like, give me the ball. It's like me playing with the Afghans. They're just like, Corey, just give me the ball, man. I'll score. You just give me the ball. And it's like playing basketball. God will sometimes tell you to set a pick for somebody. Like, hey, man, just block them off so that I can get free and score. And we're like, but I want to score. I want to touch the ball. And God's like, Jesus, give the ball to Jesus. Run everything about you through the lens of Jesus and tell the devil who you're with this week. Come on, tell the devil who you're with this week. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we love you and we love the work that you're doing in our lives. We love this series. I love this series, man. Father, I I pray for every person here that we would start turning the tables on the work that the devil has been doing in our lives by giving you more access to us. You know, we can speak words, Heavenly Father. I just feel you seeing this right now. Speak words that you don't feel if they're true. And Father, there is truth in the scripture about us that we need to speak while we don't feel it because it will begin to change our feelings into what is true. It will begin to change our thinking into what is actually true of us. And Father, I pray that from this position of strength, of being a son and daughter of God, we would come into tomorrow, Lord, and tell the devil, look at all, yesterday me? Oh, that's, that's old news. Here's who I am today, by the grace of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hey, we hope you enjoyed this inspirational message from Pastor Corey Cope. If you'd like to partner with us, please go to venuechurch.ca slash give. Yeah, because a life saved is worth everything.